Welcome to the Taking the Lead podcast, where we empower people to be unstoppable. I'm Christina Hepner with my co-hosts, Leslie Hoskins and Timothy Cunio. I cannot believe this year is almost over and we have so many things coming up at Leader Dog and in life in general, you know, Thanksgiving <laughs> and whatever holiday you celebrate in December, just so many things happening, but I'm excited. Well, I hope the weather's good for our Light Up Leader Dog event because it's now like um, on campus. Well, it's always been on campus, but now you can get out of your car this yes. year. So Light Up Leader Dog in the past was kind of like a drive-through uh, event on the Leader Dog campus. And we light luminaries and our facilities team does an amazing job of putting up beautiful Christmas lights. And it's just, it was really fun to kind of drive through. And this year they've really changed it up a little bit, or we've changed it up. I shouldn't say they, although yes. I'm not responsible <laughs> for it, so I can't take credit for it. But uh, we've switched it up so that people can actually come and walk through. And then there's going to be yeah. vendors and stuff. Yeah. And it's really cool because you can really participate from anywhere in the country or Canada, wherever you're at, because you can just purchase a $10 luminary on campus and we'll take pictures of all of them and have them up on social media for you to see. And so we place a luminary on campus in your honor. And that's how, you know, people can walk through because we need the luminaries to light up campus or else it's going to be dark. So... <laughs> <laughs> So everybody's got to get their luminary. And this is taking place Saturday, December 10th. And the actual event on campus is from 5.30 to 8. Yes. So you have, I think, up until then to purchase a luminary, which is, it's cool to incorporate people from everywhere as well. Yeah. Um, but it is going to be really cool. If you can make it out to campus that day, it's a free event, essentially. Um, but you can, you know, purchase beverages and food. And all of that fun stuff. And, you know, actually be around people. It's kind of cool to be back in person for events like this. I know. I think that's why it was a drive-through event originally. Because yeah. it's not a very old event. No, it was. I it think started it's... during the pandemic, I think, as a way yeah. to at least get people out a little bit and come to campus. Yes. So it's going to be cool to see everybody in person and have everybody on campus. Because I'm sure it's been a while for some people. Yes, and fingers crossed the weather will be nice. We're not all living in Georgia. Right. Well, if I remember, last year was really windy because uh, Christine yes. had audio problems on Facebook. <laughs> I did so. have audio problems on Facebook. That was not fun because that was my first. I was going to say, you weren't here was, very long. <laughs> I was not here very long at all, and that was my first event. And we had tested that mic three times. I had done, like, private lives on my own personal Facebook to test it out. And it worked perfectly until we actually had to go live because it was postponed a week last year because yeah. it was so windy, but it was still so windy. So fingers crossed that we don't have that problem this year. But then in January, um, we have a new event, um, a 5K, the Frozen Paul 5K. That's January 22nd. So if you're a runner, um, that would be a cool one to check out. But we'll talk about that more when it comes up because... We got some time, but Light Up Leader Dog is going to be coming up pretty fast. I know. So many things are happening. Yeah. Well, that is absolutely wonderful. I look forward to that. I look forward to Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, all the holidays, whatever it is that you celebrate. Um, it should be a really fun end of the year. And then, oh my gosh, 2023 is right around the corner. And it, that would be a one uh, one year of our podcast in twenty. Oh my, we can't even talk about that. <laughs> That's going to be a holiday soon. I know it's not yet, but I'm yeah. sure it will be a holiday. At some yeah, point. who's who's getting us a cake? You know. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> 
gosh. <laughs> we should have like a ceremony yeah, of some kind. We're going to have to like send one down to Timothy. Who's planning that party for us? I um, don't know. It shouldn't be us. It should be somebody exactly. else. Surprise party. We got to talk to some people. Yeah. So if you're hearing this and you work with us, we would love a surprise party. <laughs> I love a good themed party too. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> lots of really exciting things coming up. And today we are really excited because we have a special guest who is very, very critical to Leader Dog and the care of our dogs. He and his team are incredibly busy, so we're very fortunate to have stolen some time of his today. Yes. Dr. Smith is the Director of Veterinary Services at Leader Dogs for the Blind, supervising the Leader Dog Veterinary Clinic and team. He's a member of the Leader Dog Breeding Committee. And he supervised the development of the Leader Dogs Cryogenic Laboratory to preserve semen of highly regarded male breeding dogs. Outside of Leader Dog, Dr. Smith is a member of many associations. He has been recognized as a member of Southeastern Michigan Veterinary Medical Association Academy for educational excellence and was awarded for outstanding contribution to the community. And that's just a few of the many accomplishments of Dr. Smith. I don't know where he finds the time. And we are so happy to have stolen some of that time today. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Smith. We're excited that you're here. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you and your team do for Leader Dog? Sure. Don, and thank you for having me. It's, it's a pleasure to be here with you. Um, on, a, on a daily basis, actually, our, our team runs 24-7. Um, and uh, so we're on call weekends and in evenings and such. But primarily our work is 40 hours during the middle of the week, Monday through Friday, where we um, evaluate dogs that are going into the training program, continually perform physical exams on dogs as they're in training, and uh, take care of the breeding stock, dogs, uh, moms and dads, uh, as well as the local puppies that are being raised for us. That's a lot of dogs to care for <laughs> on a regular <laughs> basis. How do you keep all the dogs, like, organized? Like, who's who? <laughs> Well, you know, they're, they're all microchipped, um, and they also have collars on, uh, tags on their collar. And we keep, uh, obviously, medical records, um, hand copies, and um, electronic database. So that's, uh, that's essentially how we do it. So a lot of organization goes into that <laughs> is what I understand. You have to be very organized. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. So, Dr. Smith, how long have you actually been a part of the organization, been with Leader Dog and um, running the team? Uh, I've been here since 1986, so that's about 36 years. That's crazy. It is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone by very fast. Yeah, I can imagine. And so what does your team look like now? Like what has changed from 1986 to now? How has your team developed and grown? You know, in, in 1986, there was a part-time veterinarian here, Dr. Eastman, and I joined uh, the staff, this full-time veterinarian, and he went down to four hours a week. And it was myself and the trainers that oh did all gosh. the veterinary care and work. So one member of a team would be my surgical assistant, one person would do anesthesia, and one person would do prep and uh, dentistries, one would take x-rays. So the training staff at that time was, uh, was instrumental in veterinary clinic. Wow. I have a hard time even fathoming that because, you know, we've had them on too and their schedules are so tight. They have to keep, you know, so many dogs up to par and all that. I can't imagine also adding on that knowledge of like veterinary care. 
Right. And they also administered all the medications that need to be administered uh, at that time, too. And so now what does that look like? What does your team consist of? So we have another, we have two full-time veterinarians, including myself. We have a part-time veterinarian. We have two volunteer veterinarians that come in uh, about a half a day a week to help with surgery and outpatient care and care of dogs on site. And then we have veterinary technicians that support us all in this role, and they're very critical members of, uh, of our staff. You went basically from one full-time person to now two full-time volunteers, part-time, vet techs, all of that stuff. I mean, what your team does is amazing. What I guess I, I can't say, you probably don't have a typical day. It's probably ever-changing. What is kind of a day in your life like? It is ever-changing, and we have, uh, as they say, fires to put out on a regular basis. We... Uh, we take calls from our graduates and puppies that are being raised across the country. Uh, we see dogs um, regularly for their outpatient exams, vaccines, and, and any care that they need. And we have regularly scheduled physicals about every four to six weeks for every dog that's on site. And not only that, anytime anybody wants to have a dog seen by us, we set aside an hour a day that we can bring dogs in on a drop-in basis. So these are dogs that are on site, but that, but that someone has a concern about them. So I imagine, because I've seen the facilities, it's state-of-the-art. This is just not an ordinary veterinary. You get able to do surgeries and all kinds of stuff at this facility. Yeah, we're very proud of our, um, of our veterinary clinic. Because we remodeled recently, and so what was the, uh, the design process like? Like, how did you guys think about that when you were faced with this opportunity to kind of build a whole new veterinary clinic. Right, because um, we do so much more than we had done in the past. We, we've always x-rayed the dogs, the hips, and the, and the chest, but now we x-ray elbows and any other joints that are involved. We have one room that's dedicated to ultrasonography, um, and it's used predominantly for pregnancy ultrasounds, uh, but we can ultrasound other parts of the body also. We have another room that's dedicated just to endoscopy so we can retrieve objects that some of our dogs have inappropriately <laughs> eaten Oh no! Um, with a scope instead of opening their abdomen and, and doing yeah. a surgery. So that's been very helpful. And that same room is used for um, artificial inseminations, which we do some of them endoscopically to, to achieve a higher success rate. That's nice. And for anybody who hasn't been to our Canine Development Center, it's very, very nice. It's brand new well, within the last few years. Um, and the veterinary clinic kind of sits in the central location so that all of the dogs in training have quick and easy access. Same with all of our puppies who are on campus and or our breeding. Um, so the location is really important. But also what's really cool is if you're doing a tour, checking out, um, the, the Canon Development Center, you can walk by and actually there's a window into the surgical room. Um, and sometimes you'll see surgeries happening. I am, I've only seen it once because <laughs> I don't get to spend enough time over there, but it's crazy. Like, you know, the dogs are laying out and you guys are just working and, and sometimes have an audience. What is that like? <laughs> We do, we do. You know, we design that so our so our backs are actually toward the observation window, so we're not distracted. Yeah. But um, if we have an assistant, um, they would be um, staring toward the or looking towards the folks that are on on tour. 
um, we see a lot of interested faces through that window and they're just in awe. And for days that we don't have surgeries, we've got giant four by four foot color um, pictures of surgeries going on. So people have an idea of the flow is we do have two surgical tables, both to have electric artery um, and uh, gas anesthesia pipe to them and waste gas extraction. So it is state of the art to provide the safest uh, anesthesia and safety for our team members. Yeah, I got to witness a C-section one time. I've always wanted to. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. How fast you guys worked and seamlessly. And all of a sudden, like, you guys took the dog back and then there was a puppy. And I was like, wait a minute, what just happened? So it's so cool to be able to, like, witness that outside of that window. Um, But, you know, if you are squeamish, you might not want to (laughs) look. (laughs) Right. That, that's one of the most interesting surgeries and one of my favorite surgeries to do. Um, and, and we do them, you know, if there's an urgency in, in the birthing process, but we also do them proactively every once in a while. If a dog has had a problem giving birth before, um, we want to make sure that the puppies do well and the mom does well. And if we do an elective C-section, just like in people, um, the, uh, the outcome is, uh, for the most part, favorable. Yeah, because it doesn't happen often. Most times the puppies are born in people's homes. And so when exactly. C-sections do happen, yeah, I know it's kind of a little bit of an abnormal abnormality. <laughs> Is that the word I think I want to say? Right. And I'm very proud of the team we can pull together at the last minute in the middle of the night and on weekends for C-sections that, are, that aren't planned, that um, are coming about because, like I said, there's some difficulty in giving birth and... Um, you know, within an hour, we can get a whole team together of uh, nurse, uh, veterinary nurse anesthetists and preppers and puppy catchers, we call them, which are one person for every puppy that we expect is there to to help assist and revive uh, puppies and monitor them as, as they're warming up. Which is so cool. I have yet to go through that training, but that is on my list of things to do next time it is offered. But yeah, you guys pull in people and it's, it sometimes is in the middle of the night or middle of the day. And yeah. some of our team has gone through that that training. What Puppy catchers, I think is what you just said. And then yeah. they like yeah. warm them up, right? And like kind of keep them. You're yeah, right. that's crazy. I got to watch that because I obviously was not, I was just observing. Yeah. But they let me hold the puppy oh. that was wrapped up in a little burrito is what I like. To, he looked like a little burrito. It was so cute. And their puppies are, I, you know, I didn't realize how small a puppy is when it is born. Oh. It grows so fast. Right. They're about a pound. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's on my list. That is on my list to be one of those people and to have that experience at some point. And Dr. Smith is writing Leslie's name I, down seriously, now. Seriously, I think it's so yeah, cool. Because exactly. you see the people when they come back. Like, I remember, like, Ashley one day or Carrie, um, two of our trainers have done it before. And they're, like, so excited the rest of the day. Like, you can feel their energy because they got to be a part of such a cool process. So... Um, definitely on my hit list to do, but I think it's awesome. And I also love that we play a fun little song when puppies are born on campus. Um, what? Yeah. I've never heard this. We still do that. Do we still do that? We do. You know, we're not as good about doing that as uh, as we should be, but I'll make a note to make sure we do that regularly because um, 
that's a fun thing for everybody to hear in all the different uh, departments. It is. It's definitely one of those things I that makes you... Have not heard it? No. I, I know we changed the song because there was like a vote on it at one point, but it used to be, it's your birthday and we're calling. <laughs> and so you'd be like anywhere on campus and it would come through the phone and it was just one of those things, yeah, that brightened your day. You're like, oh, puppies were just born. It was very cool. Yeah, so I'm in favor of making sure that happens. <laughs> Yes, I just wrote that down. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Special request. I have already started thinking about my holiday shopping, and one thing on my list is getting gifts from Leader Dogs for the Blind gift shop. That's great, and guess what? You're in luck because for the month of November and December, if you use code Taking the Lead, you'll get free shipping. But remember, you can only use one code per order. This is amazing news. I am heading to leaderdog.org and clicking shop right now. So, Dr. Smith, what's it like to see a baby this, a baby puppy that's born and then you see the, what it goes through for the next maybe 18 months and you do the final examination knowing that this dog is changing somebody's life? What does that do for you? You know what? That's amazing, and um, th- this position is so rewarding, and and I'm surrounded by. I always tell everybody I'm surrounded by good people and good dogs, and and everybody's very passionate. And um, my veterinary peers are usually very jealous when they hear of my my role here and stuff. They're not jealous of the 24/7 uh, on-call status, <laughs> but uh, the, all the rest of it, they are. Yeah, very very supportive by the community. And you and uh, Dr. Wilson is the other full-time vet. You guys have worked together for a long time. Yes. Dr. Wilson's been with us for 15 years this year. And uh, she was in private practice for 12 years before that. So she came with a wealth of experience. And uh, we really complement each other in our our approach and our styles. So that's beneficial to uh, us as as team members together and as lead dogs as a whole. Yes. Almost like working with three people instead of just two. Yeah. Well, and that really goes to show how much you guys love your jobs for your tenure and how long oh you've been with a leader dog. It, it, would you say, do you have like a favorite moment of your job or a favorite memory? I know that's a hard question, I'm sure, for how many years you've been here. There are, you know, there are so many different things that we've done. I mentioned um pulling what we call them foreign bodies or taking things out of animal stomachs that allow them to recover real quickly um, without the uh, discomfort of having gone through surgery. Uh, Tim was mentioning uh, me watching a puppy come through and then grad uh, go out with a client at the end. It's also fun to see a similar puppy that grows up that we've taken care of for its whole young adult life that is pulled for the breeding program. And then the, and has puppies itself, and the circle of life just continues uh, again. And um, this, the circle of leader dogs uh, empowerment for, to help people. Absolutely, yeah. Every dog has a very important role. I'm sure that's really fun. It's kind of like being a teacher a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, like you get to see them and see what they end up doing with their lives. It's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So you also mentioned, um, you know, you guys are on call a lot of the time. You guys kind of rotate. I think, how often do you guys get called in during that time? Are there a lot of late night calls or emergencies where you have to go back to campus? You know, it really varies. Um, This weekend, I had about five calls on Saturday. Dr. Wilson, I think, has the record of eight calls before noon on a Saturday morning. Um, on most weekends we're on call, we end up coming back to the facility to, to take a look at one of the 
135 to 150 dogs we have on campus at any time. And at, and at nights, we may or may not take a call. Uh, maybe after we've gone to bed, it might be while we're having dinner and such. But we, we all know that that's a very important part of us uh, providing value and taking care of the health care of these dogs. So it's part of our role. That really is. But I can't, I mean, are there a lot of veterinary jobs where you have to be on call all the time? I mean, that's a really big commitment. No, not anymore. When I was a young lad, we used to work all day and then take calls at night and come in and see our clients at night. But nowadays, there's emergency clinics and critical care facilities that will do that. And so it's um, it's probably more important that veterinarians are bright-minded during the day. And then if they have to send something for critical care at night, there's someone that's there, you know, around the clock with them. Yeah, I was going to say, because there are kind of, yeah, like animal hospitals and stuff like that for those emergency situations that I would imagine most <laughs> veterinary. So you guys are really putting in the ring, right? <laughs> the commitment you guys have. That's incredible. Um, another thing I was curious about, I know we talked about some surgeries and C-sections and stuff that we do on campus. Is there anything we can't provide our dogs? Any sort of medical, something that we can't do on campus that we need outside resources? You know what? There, there are. It's, um, it's probably less than five percent of the services that we have to do here. We've been in the field for a long time, so if a, a dog needs to have um, abdominal surgery or um, bladder surgery or a splenectomy or something, we can do that right here. Uh, things that require uh, cardiac ultrasounds, like all our breeders, have an ultrasound exam to make sure their hearts uh, are. Um, healthy and they don't have any congenital defects that they might pass to their puppies. So that's one example of something that's sent off site for care. Something that needs to have an MRI or a CT would be also, also be sent off. So some of the dogs that um, one of the conditions that these uh, retrievers can get is called elbow dysplasia. And sometimes it doesn't show up on an x-ray easily and, and those go out for, uh, for CAT scans. And then the last part is critical care. If something is in um, needs round-the-clock care with direct sight um, of a person and someone monitoring them carefully, we have uh, numerous local facilities that will provide that critical care for us. That's amazing. It to me sometimes it blows my mind to think about how much care dogs need. It's kind of like you going to, you know, the doctor getting an MRI if you have knee problems or whatever it is. It it always blows my mind to think about like dogs that need just as much care as humans and especially our dogs who are going on to, you know, provide a service to someone. Um, so what is that like for you? You know, I guess how many years of schooling did you need to become a vet and do you have to do classes throughout the years? Because I can't even imagine, like, keeping up the skills for that. Right. So most veterinarians go to school for eight years, have eight years of college and stuff. One of the proudest things that we do here um, is we support veterinary externs from veterinary schools across the country in the Caribbean. We have about 15 to 18 senior veterinary students that rotate through here at two to three week intervals that um, see what it's like to work at a guide dog facility, to see the importance of these dogs and to uh, understand the, the facets that go into raising and, and training them and providing their health care. That's fascinating. I didn't know that. Did y'all did that with the uh, 
interns. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I've had an opportunity to speak to some of the interns and they always love this rotation. Like they get so much out of it because it's so fast paced and you get to do so much. It, it, and it helps us too to, to see these bright young minds come through and share their new experiences and, and new knowledge with us. And you also uh, asked about keeping up to speed on all these advances. Dr. Wilson and I both do 50 hours of continuing education a year. To, um, to maintain our skills and medical um, knowledge and to find out what's new in current in the field. Yeah, I can imagine you guys never get bored. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. What does yeah. it look like to support um, our clients out in the, in the world, if you will, at like their phone calls or what are some of the most common questions that you get? We do. You know what? While the clients are here getting their dog, we do a health lecture. And during that health lecture, and we also do a physical exam with them present with their dog so they can get an idea of, of what that's like and what to expect. But in terms of supporting them when they leave, the, we have an emergency fund of um, monies that can be used for expenses that are over and above what would normally uh, be expected to handle for dogs. And we provide uh, consult support for the clients and for their veterinarians and then for unusual situations or medical care that their dogs need that they need some more education on or assistance in, in choosing treatment plans. Um, we do the same thing for puppies that are out of our area uh, in terms of the phone consultations and consultations with the local veterinarians. So if, if you see us sitting at our desk, that's Part of what we do, lots of emails, lots of phone calls, and um, that's an enjoyable part of the job that goes with it, too. I'd like to ask you a question, Dr. Smith, to everybody. There's a lot on the Facebook page for the alumni for uh, Leader Dog. What kind of nutrition do these dogs need? Uh, we know we got some good dog food. We got some bad dog food. What are the main things that we need to be looking in the ingredients for these dogs to be healthy? You know, we, we always like to feed a national brand food that's complete and balanced. Um, we've fed Purina since, um, I think, for the last 40 years or so. And we've uh, evolved into feeding Purina Pro Plan. So uh, all of our dogs are raised on, on that food and continue it in, in training. And then we recommend that food as they leave or, or a similar complete and balanced diet. So the an important part of nutrition for the dog is is to maintain an ideal weight, and um, and that that's so hard. These are working dogs, but they're not sled dogs, and so we have to be careful of their client their caloric intake, just like people. Um, if we're sedentary, sometimes it's um, it's hard to maintain a, a lean weight, and uh, and we know the importance of that is that. A dog that's kept at a lean working weight will live up to two years longer than a dog that's not. And so that's all based on a 14-year study that was done at Purina, and we share that, that information with our clients as, they, uh, as we're doing the health lecture. That's very awesome that you not only, you know, you don't just give the dog up, you give a health lecture and you really um, educate our clients too on what to do when they go home and that sort of stuff because I can only imagine. Um, and I mean, I've just learned so much in this short amount of time that we've had with you on the podcast. So thank you again so much for joining us. You're welcome.
And I, after hearing all of this, am convinced that you guys have extra hours in the day because I just do not understand how you are possibly supporting all of these puppies and dogs out in training, plus the dogs on campus, the breeding. I I do not understand how you possibly have time. So I really, really appreciate you spending this time with us this morning. You're welcome. Happy to do it. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to the Taking the Lead podcast. I'm Leslie Hoskins with hosts Timothy Cuno and Christina Hepner. We hope you enjoyed hearing about the amazing work Dr. Smith and the entire veterinary team are doing at Leader Dog. Please join us next week as we continue to dive into the world of blindness. And if you'd like to learn more about applying to Leader Dog for our free services, you can head to leaderdog.org or call us at 888-777-5332. And don't forget, you can reach us at takingthelead@leaderdog.org with any questions or ideas. If you like today's podcast, make sure to hit subscribe and check us out wherever podcasts stream.